Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast with your hosts, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff. And I'm really excited about this episode because we talked to Josh Grossenbacher. If you're not familiar with Josh, he's a turkey hunting, turkey calling master. He was the 2015 World Turkey Calling Champion. He was the 2017 Grand National Head-to-Head Champion. And he's got multiple state turkey calling championships. So needless to say, Josh talks turkey. And he also works for Zinc Calls and AvianX Decoys. If you're not familiar with those companies, they're both Ohio companies. They make turkey, goose, duck calls, and decoys. So check them out. Before we get into the episode with Josh, I want to talk about our sponsor. The sponsor of this show is Monster Whitetail Grub. Monster Whitetail Grub is an Ohio-based deer feed company. They make a high-quality deer feed. It's a high-protein high feed, and it just brings the deer in. It really works. It's got mineral built into it, and it's a good company. They source all their product from Ohio, so you're helping the Ohio economy. So check out Monster Whitetail Grub. In this episode with Josh, we talk about, basically we go over a day in the turkey woods. What do you look for? How do you locate birds? What do you do for a calling sequence? Josh gives us, you know, he demos some of the the different calls that he uses. We just cover a ton, a ton of information in this one. So if you're into turkeys, interested in turkey hunting at all, this one's definitely worth a, worth a listen. So with that, let's get into the call with Josh. All right, we've got Josh Grossenbacher on the line, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because Josh is quite the turkey man. Uh, my understanding, Josh, and, and sort of correct me where I'm wrong, but you've got a handful of turkey calling awards, you've won some competitions, and you just enjoy hunting turkeys, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've, uh, <clears throat> this will be my 21st. 25th season of spring gobbler hunting um i a few of the titles i hold um a handful of ohio state calling titles um ohio state open division titles ohio state friction titles um i was the 2015 world open champion 2017 grand national head-to-head champion and these last two years, I've been first runner-up in the senior division at the Grand Nationals. So, <clears throat> been competitive calling since 2002, and uh, I really enjoy it. It's uh, <clears throat> It kind of fills the void in between turkey seasons, and it's something that always seemed to always keep growing and, and getting better as a caller, which in turn, I, I believe, helps in the turkey woods. Yeah. And that's what really got me into competitive calling a long time ago. So I've got, I've got so many questions. So I guess to start before I just start bombarding you with questions, (laughs) tell us a little bit about the, the Turkey calling competitions, right? So, you know, you mentioned open calling and, and grand national head to head. Can you kind of walk us through what those different competitions are or, or what they're like? Okay, well, like a, a, like an open division, um, you've usually got five to seven judges, and each caller will be, they'll have like a lineup of call, a list of calls, which could be four to five different calls. Let's say like cutting of a hen, 
fly down cackle, plain yelp, assembly yelp, the kiki run, cluck and purr, um, all sorts of different calls. And I'll run through them here in a little bit for you. But they'll be, you'll be on stage. Each caller draws a number, so you get your calling position. And <clears throat> the MC, whoever's MCing, will call out what call, say caller number three, the plain yelp of the hen. And you usually got about a minute. It's usually about what it takes for a caller to get through that call. And the judges will score that on a one to 20 basis, 20 being the highest. And then the MC will ask for cutting of the hen and you, you'll go through that. And the, the judges will score that. And after four or five calls, they'll have their scores calculated and they'll take out of those seven judges, they'll take the high score and the low score and throw that out and uh, add them all up at the end and see who wins. And so they're they're judging based on, I guess, what their interpretation of how realistic the calls sound, or, yeah, or what how, are the judging criteria? They're ba they're basing it on how real you sound compared to a, a hen turkey, where where it's cadence and rhythm and okay. overall sound, just yeah, realism. Um, and there, I tell you what, it's it's pretty neat how good the guys are getting and have gotten. Yeah. And it just seems to keep uh, evolving. Well, that's I, that's something that I've never I've never participated in or anything, and and so I, I was glad to hear that. Uh, or I guess I'm glad to have you kind of explain that to us and kind of yeah. sort of open our eyes to that a little bit because that's that's definitely interesting. And and like you said, it was a, it being a good competition caller, like you said, I'm sure helps being a good how could it not right i mean you're the goal of the competition is to sound more like a real turkey so how could it not help in the turkey woods oh yeah and one of the things that uh that really stands out to me like when you get on that stage your adrenaline's pumping you're a ball of nerves um usually there's a pretty decent crowd of people watching and to to be able to uh to make those sounds and be precise in that heat of the moment i think it's it's about as nerve-wracking as when you're working that turkey and you know he's within 50 yards and you're trying to do the soft stuff right when, when your adrenaline's pumping so hard that you you can't even get a sound out of your mouth it, it's in my eyes it's pretty comparable the uh the experience or the feelings that you're that you're getting at that that moment in time on stage it's pretty cool right it, it can drive you crazy though <laughs> all right so I got a quick question just for completeness sake, I guess. This is diaphragm calling, I assume? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. That's all right. The, op the open division is it's mostly diaphragm calls, mouth calls, but there are some guys that will use friction calls uh, for for some of the calls here and there. And and if a friction caller wants to call in the open, they're, they are allowed to, but there are, um, there are friction-only divisions. And, <clears throat> um, so... There's that as well. And there, there are also our uh, gobbling divisions where it's just strictly gobbling, owl hooting, where that's judged completely different. Um, so there's, there's different types of contests. Okay. And are there any, because I've heard guys do just voice calling. Are there any voice calling competitions? <clears throat> there used to be a lot of natural voice contests and, um, to be honest with you, since I started in 2002, I can't really say that I've ever attended one or, or seen one in person. 
So okay. I think it's kind of a thing of the past. Okay. All right. So then I guess let's uh, let's transition into turkey hunting then. And so as we've mentioned before, we're we're all kind of uh, beginner slash novice turkey hunters. You are the maestro. <laughs> uh, no, I've been doing it a while, but I'm still learning. Well, compared to us, let's say you're the maestro. So we are here to learn from you <laughs> and hopefully the, you know, the listeners will, I'm sure there'll be things for them to learn here. So what, I guess to start, right, we're going to start our, our day in the turkey woods. Are you, do you take time to try and locate birds the night before or, or are you going out or does it depend on the kind of time you have available or how do you handle that? Yeah, depending on time available, if I've got time to scout the night before, most definitely, um, not to get too far off base, but I mean, some states in, in Ohio too, the later in the season, you know, the last two weeks of season when you can hunt all day, that's a great time to get birds located for the next morning. But, you know, our first two weeks of season here in Ohio, yeah, I'll, I'll spend time in the evenings if, you know, if I don't have obligations with work or my family uh, trying to locate a gobbler for the next morning. I mean, you can never beat having a game plan. And it seems to me more times than not, when I get one roosted, it doesn't seem to work out how you plan, but it's always nice to, to get out of the truck and know where you're starting instead of going in blind. Right. Right. Okay. So, so let's say you, you know where a bird's at when you go out in the morning. Mm -hmm. What is, what is your game plan? Are you trying to get as close as possible without kind of letting the bird know that you're there and setting up and waiting for daylight to break, waiting for fly down or what kind of, what's your tactic there? If you know where a bird's at in the morning, if I, if I know where he's at, I'm going to get as close as possible to him. And <clears throat> without really trying to press, press the issue. Um, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to wait for him to make that first gobble. And kind of see, maybe give it a few minutes of him gobbling, see if there's any hens in the area yelping. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of guys talk in the past about, you know, they don't like to call to turkeys on the limb. But that's something that I've done for as long as I can remember. And that's just hitting them with some soft yelps. I want to be the first thing in his ear when he gets, okay. when he wakes up. I want him to know that I'm there, but I'm not going to oh, i'm not going to call to him aggressive it's going to be soft just clucks and soft yelps <clears throat> and usually i mean i've i've had a lot of success just soft calling to him on the limb to where they will just fly right down and, and come directly my my way okay so do you you said uh you mentioned earlier going through the calls do you yes do you have it? Could you, could you kind of give us an example of, uh, yeah. those clucks and soft yelps that you would do yep. first thing? Yeah. Like what I'll do right now is just basically if that bird's on the limb and he's gobbling, <clears throat> hold on, let me get a drink of water here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to start off.
basically just saying good morning. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And then you can kind of take their temperature. I mean, if he if he's responding to it, <clears throat> I might get a little bit more aggressive with it. Just, just really uh, trying to get his attention to let him know that I'm there. And if he if he starts gobbling to it, I might just shut up for a little while. It all depends on how he's acting. Okay, man, I gotta, yeah. I gotta tell you, hearing that is just it's like that is music to my ears, man. That gets me so fired up for, to get <laughs> in the turkey woods. So yeah, well, good. And so uh, when you're when you're calling to him on the limb, are you? within eyesight of him at this point you could sometimes see sometimes and you know it's a lot of it i mean depending on the time of the season too i mean as you guys know you've been out in the woods in the spring in ohio like when season opens in you know late april there like last year there wasn't much foliage for like the first two weeks of season yeah. and it's once it cracks daylight you have a hard time moving so I don't want to get super close when it's like that. It's it's easier when it gets later in the season and there's a lot more leaves and a lot more cover to move around. But uh, a lot of times I'll try to get to where I can see them. But when it when there's no foliage, it's it's uh, it's tricky. It's um, risky. Okay. All right. So I guess let's continue down this this hypothetical turkey hunt. So you've done the soft yelps. He is interested, responding a little bit, and you hear him fly down, I guess. Uh-huh. So so he's on the ground now. Now how does your your tactics change? Well, once he flies down, if I see him or if I can hear in the, the change of his gobble that he's not if I don't see him and I can hear that his gobble sounds like, you know, he's on the ground, then I'll let out a cackle, letting him know that, that I am on the ground. And, uh, I'll basically just go from tree yelping right into a cackle, which is what it sounds like. basically just letting him know that I'm on the ground. <clears throat> and from there, you know, if he gobbles at that or if he doesn't, I am going to give him a little bit of time and see what he's doing. And then I'll check him with, you know, a little bit more of an aggressive yelp. <clears throat> and see, <clears throat> see how he responds to that. Okay, so a couple questions that come out of that. Do you always wait for him to to like to where you are pretty sure he's on the ground before you do your fly down cackle sequence, or would you ever do that while he's still on the limb? Yeah, yeah, I have. <clears throat> I guess I'm. Yeah, I've, I've done both. I guess I'm trying to explain it probably the most uh, conservative way that I would do it. Sure, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, okay. All right, and so... And you're doing all these... All this calling is 
with a diaphragm call, right? Yeah, but I'll also do it on uh, a pot style call, Slater glass. Okay. All right. So everybody's on the ground now. You're on the ground. Tom's on the ground. I mean, you've been on the ground the whole time, but now he thinks you're on the ground. Right. <laughs> and uh, and let's say, I guess what happens next? He's it, ideally he's coming your way, right? I mean, he's 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 goblin, and the gobbles are coming towards you, right? Hopefully, in an ideal yeah. situation. In it, yeah, in a perfect scenario, yeah, he's he's working his way. And uh, basically what I'm going to do is just start off nice and easy and just if he's gobbling to it good and if I can tell he's covering ground, I'm going to just keep calling to him soft and every so often, I mean, if, he, if he's covering the ground, I'm just going to let him work. Okay. But, there's, but there are some instances where there's some of them that just they can't seem to get there fast enough and the, the more the more that you call and the louder you call the faster they come and the harder they gobble. And that's all situational. But, uh, I usually just try to be easy and let them do their thing. Especially like I said, in, in the early season when it's, when the woods are wide open. Okay. And are so, you, are you using decoys or most of the time? Yeah, I do. Um, especially, especially that time, that part of the season. I mean, it's, you know, they can get 50 yards away from you and they don't see anything in the woods. I mean, especially as flat as it is around this part of the state, you know. Right. There's not a lot of terrain to, uh, you know, break things up or get in between you. Okay, so two things. I want to get into scenario, you know, we, we sort of just went through the ideal scenario. You knew where the birds were in the evening, calling to them. They come down, they come to you. So I want to get into some of the the other situations, but one thing that I forgot to mention and Jacob, you asking about decoys reminded me, Josh, you actually are part of the pro staff or something for avian X. Is that, is that correct? No, I'm, I'm a uh, full-time employee with avian X. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, so I'm assuming you're, you're then using avian X decoys. Yes, sir. Yep. And one other thing, that I didn't realize is AVNX is a, is an Ohio company, right? Yeah. AVNX <clears throat> I've been employed with zinc calls up in Port Clinton since uh, February 1st of 2008 full time. And <clears throat> along with the calls, we started uh, Fred and Don zinc started AVNX decoys. Oh geez. I think it was 2011 or 12 somewhere in there. Okay. Um, and it's been a really great product for us. Uh, just a little backstory: when we started off filming, selling calls, we were using a lot of different decoys on the market, trying to um, to video hunts and get really good footage. And we were using everything. And Fred came up with some ideas on some decoys, and uh, we made some prototypes and started filming over filming over them, and had so much success that uh, it led into a whole new new, new deal for us. So. They've they've been great. They're a very effective decoy. Yeah, I the, I've got to say those are some of the best looking decoys that I think <clears throat> I've seen. Man, those some of those, I mean, those Avian X decoys are just just masterful. Really, I mean, they're they're good looking decoys. 
<clears throat> so, all right. <clears throat> so, Zinc, are you, so, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you then also, for your calls, you're using Zinc calls? Yes. Yep. And I you... actually, I build all the mouth calls for Zinc calls. Okay. So, cool. why wouldn't you use your own stuff, right? It's the best. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, you've actually got your own signature call, right? Yep. Now, is that a call that, is that a call that, Anybody can run, or is that more for your your advanced, more frequent flyers, or? You know, it, it's a lighter stretched call with two light reeds on the bottom and a heavier reed on the top, and I feel it's a, as far as for a beginner to a more experienced caller, I think it I think it covers a basis for everybody. I mean, it's it's a it's a call that's easy to produce sounds on. Okay. And I know as a beginner turkey mouth caller. The hardest part is trying to make sounds. I mean, you know, we've all sounded like a kazoo. And <laughs> it's, right. So it's very frustrating. Um, but I think the combination of reeds on it and everything make it a little bit more user-friendly. <clears throat> okay. But it's well, a style of call that I've always been comfortable with for a long time. Okay. Well, and I want to get back into the turkey hunting, but this is this has got me intrigue now so i know there's different cuts on the diaphragm calls how does so i know there's i don't want to go too deep into like the engineering of the even though i'm an engineer and i want to go into the engineering of the calls but <laughs> <laughs> i just high level there's ton, there's bat wing and there's all these different cuts how does the yep. cut affect the sound and what I guess, what do people need to know or what do they need to be looking for when they're looking at the different cuts and styles of diaphragm calls? To, to be 100% honest with you, I think people need to, especially beginners, try different style cuts and find what works best for you. I know okay. um, I prefer a combination cut and for a lot of the stuff that I do, I know I've got close friends that, that can't run what I like to run. They like running bat wings. I know I've got some other friends that like ghost cuts, which I can't do hardly anything on. And same with like a, a regular split V. Like 15 years ago, that used to be what I yelped on. Now, I couldn't yelp on one for you if you gave me 100 bucks. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, I think it's all just how people um, present the air to those reeds. Everybody's mouth's different. It's just a... Uh, I don't know the right answer to that question. Okay. Trying try different stuff and, and what what is most comfortable for you. I mean, it's... Okay. And and I, I, so, coming from ahead. a complete beginner, you're running all of your turkey sounds and calls on the same mouth call, or do you switch them out throughout the hunt? Or I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll switch them out. I, I'll usually carry four or five with me on the hunt and... Um, I've always got about a hundred of them in the console of my truck. So they're always, <laughs> right. but, uh, but no, I'll keep them around just because sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll cover a lot of ground and keep a mouth going in your mouth for a long time. It's going to get soggy. And, uh, that's a whole nother thing. Like when you're in the evenings, it's, it's good to let them sit and dry out, but just for the simple fact of where they start getting soggy, you know, I like to put a fresh one in, uh, where they still, 
they've got a little more uh, snap to them, per se. Okay. Or, you know, being in your mouth for three or four hours all morning, they start to get a little mushy. But the same, like, you use, you know, you said a combination. It's You can make all of your calls on the same mouth call. You don't have to, like, switch it out for Yelps versus fly down cackle it's all no one. okay no i'll do i'll do majority of that stuff on the same call yeah okay Co- competition calling's a little bit different because you want everything to be precise but in the turkey woods um they're not listening for mistakes like a human judge so you can get a little you can get a little carried away and uh, a little sloppy per se okay okay all right so let's go back to the turkey woods and yeah so now we're going to say we don't know. We're going out in the morning. We don't know where the birds are. What is your tactic then? How are you locating birds? Well, I will uh, <clears throat> wait for it to start breaking daylight. And, you know, if, if I, <clears throat> I'll wait for one to maybe sound off by himself. But if it gets to that point in the morning where, you know, a daybreak where you should be hearing one and, you know, there's nothing flying, no crows are flying over, no owls have sparked up yet or anything. I will use an owl hooter to try to, to get a go- a turkey to gobble. Um, and this just, this is from the road, from the parking lot? Where, like, where are you starting out in the morning? <clears throat> Depends on the prop. Like, if I know the property and have done my preseason scouting, I'll get to a high spot where I know I can hear good from okay. or <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's, there's times where we'll try it from the road. And <clears throat> if say like the owl hooter doesn't work, then I'll start doing, trying some cackles and some, some yelping and cutting, you know, like some aggressive calling, but I won't, I won't do that while I'm still expecting him to be on the limb. Okay. All right. Do you think there's any, I don't know. This is this is gonna this is kind of a little bit off topic, but but sort of on topic. Do you think there that the birds that are in pressured areas get wise to people calling from like I guess where I'm going with this is in years past we have driven around down in southeastern Ohio public land area and you know, we'll drive to the mouth of a big hollow or something and get out of the truck and, and call a little bit to see if we can get a bird to fire off. And it felt like, you know, this, this time in particular that I'm referencing, we just drove around and would get out of the call, the truck, make some calls, nothing, drive to the next spot, nothing. But then, you know, say you drive up and around and you get out and you start walking out the ridge. Now, all of a sudden you can get birds to respond do you think they they sort of get wise to i know that's not a hen down there that's the road down there that's a dude or um it's possible i mean i don't i don't really know uh they might be able to hear you better from up on that ridge top than they can down on the road the car noise might have them shut up for a little bit uh it could be anything there I, i really don't know okay all right. That was a little bit of a detour, but no, that's anywho. So, so you're getting up to a high spot. You're going to try and listen for birds. And 
say say you're not hearing anything. You said you're going to start, or you said that you would try some owl hoots and things to see, to try and get a bird to sound off, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So then from there, you you are using your owl hoots. You hear a bird. I guess depending on how far away it is, you're you're going to kind of move in on that bird if it's yeah. Like what? How do you? I guess how do you judge like? Uh, that that bird's too far. I need to get closer, or that bird is within range. That that just comes from experience, I guess, from knowing like, yeah, that that bird will come. Or yeah, or I mean, if there, there's a lot of di- like, if there's a if there's obstructions in between you and him, or obstacles, whatever it might be, a creek or a river, or you know, a few ridges, whatever, and you know that you need to be somewhere where he can get to you easy when you start calling to him. Um, like say that there's a, you know, a big Creek or river, you're probably going to have a hard time calling, calling him to you from where you initially get him to, to gobble from. Okay. Uh, it's again, that's all situational, but I'll try to use any of the, uh, Oh, the terrain or woods or anything that I can do depending on, how far away he seems. I, I do want to get pretty close to him before I get set up and start calling to him. Okay. So having some familiarity with the terrain and your surroundings will help you because you, you know, you can kind of judge based on the volume or, or where you think that, that gobble is coming from that. Yeah. Yeah. I can safely move closer. Yep. Cause I, I'm, I'm assuming the closer you can get to him before you, you really start calling the better your chances are right oh yeah that's that's half the battle i mean you want to get somewhere where it's going to be he's got the easiest travel route to you um yeah that's that makes it a lot easier okay so you've you've located a bird now you've moved into a comfortable range at that point is it i guess again in a perfect world is it is it more or less now we're back in the same situation where that we talked about earlier where he's flown off the limb he's coming your way you're going to just kind of continue talking to him but not overdoing it and hopefully he comes within range yeah i mean i'm going to do the same thing as if i'm set up on him on the limb i'm going to start soft calling him and if he doesn't seem to be doing much and again i'm just going to i'm going to just take my time but if he doesn't seem to be doing much i'm going to get a little more aggressive with my calling and see what he does then and uh you know if he doesn't seem to be covering any ground getting any closer i'm probably gonna make a new plan of attack and try to uh, come at him from a different angle okay so you would at that point you would kind of back out of that spot and maybe circle around to a different area I wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't be in a hurry to do it because a, a lot of times uh, the lack of patience, I think, can mess a lot of people up. Okay. Because, I mean, sometimes, I mean, he might just be standing there just, you know, eating acorns or whatever, just taking his time and gobbling every now and again. And, you know, he just might not be in any hurry. And then about the time you get up and move, you know, he's standing right where you were just sitting. Right. Uh, okay. But you... Patience is a big part of it. Yeah, I have a but question. After, but after along, go ahead. Uh, 
go ahead. I have a question along that same vein. Um, I have a big problem with uh, calling in turkeys to about 50, 60 yards, and then they hang up on me and just start strutting there. Um, any tips, strategies for that scenario? Um, sometimes it could be just they're getting to a point where they think that they should see you and they want you to, to come to them. A lot of times when that happens, I'll just really tone the calling down, just go into my soft stuff, scratching in the leaves, clucks and purrs. Um, and if that doesn't work, then I'll let him, again, like we were just talking on the other situation, I'll let him work his way off and get out of sight and try to get to where he was just, where, where he came to where he felt comfortable strutting. If you can get to where you can shoot to where he was at, mm-hmm. try to get as close as you can to that to that spot. Let him work his way off and then get up there and try to call him back up. Because, I mean, obviously he likes it there. He feels comfortable and that would be a perfect place to kill him. All okay. right. So th- that sort of spawns another question. When you are picking a spot to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to call from here, what are you doing? looking for right because i'm sure there's things that make for a better spot than others right somebody that that you know has your level of of experience you know in jeff's scenario there maybe it it had more to do with where jeff's set up to call and if he would have originally said you know what 50 yards over there is really a better place for me to sit down and call but what are you, I guess, what are you looking for when you set up to call or, or are you looking for something special? Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, for one, I want to get to a spot where I can kind of, for the most part, conceal my silhouette, you know, get my back up against a tree to where I'm not sticking out. Um, I want to be in a spot where I know it's easy for him to get to, like there's not a bunch of thickets or anything, um, making it hard for him to get there. You know, you don't want to sit up in a big, you know, uh, honeysuckle thicket or something. You want to sit where you got some openings and stuff. And I want to have <clears throat> to every direction that I can shoot. I want to have good lanes. I want to I want to be to where I believe he I want to be aiming where I think he's going to come. And it sounds like he's coming from that direction. But I want to be able to shoot to the left and right of that if he turns and breaks. And I just want to have all my angles covered and uh, and good lanes. Okay. Okay. Which, so I mean, sometimes doesn't work out, but sometimes you got to make do with the best you can. Sure. Sure. All right. So now let's get into, I guess, some of the, uh, what I'll call some of the, the challenges or trouble spots that people get into. So, you know, Jeff, just talked about one right the bird kind of hangs up what do you do there but but what happens if you just can't seem to like the birds just aren't gobbling man that's you just got to keep swinging the bat and just cover ground okay uh, try to find one that is i mean there's it seems like there's some days where the the pressure isn't right and the the turkeys don't seem to want to do anything and then you know there's days where it's pouring rain and the wind's blowing and you think they're not going to be doing anything and they're actually gobbling their heads off. Uh, it's just gotta, just gotta 
keep persistent and cover ground and just keep calling and try to get one going. Or if you've done your preseason scouting and you know places that they're liking to strut or feed or spend, you know, spend time, whatever, I mean, just hump up and go, you know, go sit down somewhere. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, you do call sometimes with, uh, out having one on the line, you know, one goblin. Sometimes you do just go to a place where you think, you know, they're likely to be and sit down and give it a shot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, especially depending on time and if if I'm in an area where I don't have permission on many places, I'm just I'm going to lock into a spot and just hang out. Um, Okay. yeah, because I have one property, um, very small property that I can hunt, um, but the area is thick with turkeys, but they very rarely ever gobble. It's in northeast Ohio. Um, It's a very small <laughs> yeah, GPS yeah. coordinates. Yeah, yeah. But it's thick with turkeys, but they do not gobble. You know, I've only ever heard maybe a handful of gobbles in this area, but on trail cam, see turkey all the time. Hmm. So I was just wondering if uh basically you you do just sometimes set up and call to see see what shows up. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other things that you that you mentioned there was in the rain. So do you will you hunt turkeys? Is it is it worth your time, I guess, to go out and hunt in the rain, or does it depend? Maybe it depends on how hard it's raining, or, or what the maybe how windy, or what Man, are your thoughts on? As, as long as it's not you know monsoon and and I don't have to be at work, I'm going hunting. Okay, um, but. But I mean, there'll be times when you go out in the morning and, you know, it'll start off, you know, a nice morning and then it'll turn into a nasty day and they'll still do it. We actually, I was on a hunt one time up in Ontario, Canada. uh, And I I swear on my daughter's life, it was raining and blowing so hard. I thought we were going to get carried away in a tornado. And, And I've got other witnesses to this. We were calling and had decoys set up, and there were turkeys coming. They were 30 yards away from the decoys, strutting and gobbling, and you couldn't even hear them. It really? Was so, yes, it was crazy. Wow. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's good it, to know. It was, it was ridiculous. And I'd, I'd say we have the footage of it, but we had the camera buried under, like, three coats to keep it dry. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah, that's – that uh, just – you know, goes to the old adage, you ain't going to kill him from the couch. So you got to get out there, man. Get after right. him. Okay. All right. So I guess let's, let's talk. What are some of your other, I guess, tips or tricks that you would give sort of beginner slash intermediate turkey hunters? Do you have any, any tips or things that you you know, you try to guide people on in that kind of situation. I tell you, the, the one of the coolest things about turkey hunting that I like is, I, I love it about it. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the more experience you have, the better off you're going to be, obviously. But it doesn't matter how many times you go. 
there's still so much to be learned. Every every hunt, whether you kill one, you miss one, you screw up, you're, it's a learning experience. And the coolest bit of advice that I ever got when I, I mean, I just started turkey hunting back in the late, mid to late 90s. And I was talking to a, an old call maker from Ohio. And I, I said, man, is there any tips you can give me? And he said, man, I'll give you the best one I got. And I said, what's that? And he's like, well, <clears throat> he said, I've made every mistake there is to make except for one. And I said, man, what's that? He goes, I don't know yet. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, I mean, and I, I, you know, that was 20 some years ago and I've never forgot it. And it's, it still stands true. Just about every time you get out of the truck, it's like, huh, I never thought of them doing that or. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. One thing, you know, I'll say this is I'm, you know, I've, I've shot one Turkey in my life. I've hunted a, a, a couple seasons got one turkey and just turkey hunting is different than deer hunting in that it it just for me at least it's a bit more relaxed or something like you you know that that bird didn't work out it's like yeah we'll go find another one sort of thing you know and and, yeah you know it's just you know it's springtime right it's you know you at the very least right you can just hang out there on the hillside and soak up the sunshine and and it's just, uh, it, it's something you can enjoy with your buddies and family members to where you're not locked into a tree stand, sitting there all day by yourself, you know? Right. Um, and it's a lot more enjoyable, especially when you're calling to a, a gobbler and he's responding and, you know, you're, you're getting that excitement of, of having that conversation and knowing that you're in the game. Um, right. It's, uh, it's really cool. I think it's, I love deer hunting just as much, but turkey hunting's hard to, uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I, last season was, I, I shot my first turkey and, you know, I'm this year, like, I can't wait for turkey season. I'm hooked bad. (laughs) I had, so last year my, my dad was calling for me and I was shooting. So we were we're down in southeast Ohio near you know Wayne National Forest and uh-huh. we hear a bird you know we're out in the morning we hear a bird we're like you know it's kind of a ways off we're gonna we're gonna walk up this way until we get a little closer and we're gonna set up so we we walk down there Dad's gonna he's gonna kind of be behind me a little bit he says go over there and and set up and once you get set up I'll start calling. So I go over there and set up and, you know, I'm very much a newbie at this. And so uh-huh. I'm rushing, right? I, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta get over here and, and, and sit down. And so I pick the first tree that, you know, I, I think this looks, I think this looks good, you know? And as soon as I sit down, like now I'm on the ground and I'm like, oh geez, I can't see, but I'm, I'm so nervous, right? This bird's coming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I'm like freaking out. So I sit down, dad starts calling and the bird's coming, right? I can hear him. He's gobbling. Gobbles are getting louder. He gets to where I can hear that, like that drumming sound that they make. And like, his bird is close. He is close. The in the leaves. Like the, like the. Oh yeah. I know the drumming, but you, then you can start to hear him walking too. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. And then your heart's about to 
pump out of your chest. Yes, but I can't see the bird yet, right? And and so I'm freaking out. My I'm in my heart's just hammering, and uh, I can hear them. So I've got a little rise on my right, and I can hear him over there. But I'm like, oh man, I can't move. Like he's he's right there, and I I turn my head to the right, and he comes up, and I just his head pops up. And we we just look at each other for a second, and he's gone, you know. And it was like, oh my gosh, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Dad, you know, after the fact, you know, Dad's like, why'd you sit down there? I was like, I don't know. I was freaking out. He was the bird was coming. I had to sit down, you know. <laughs> yep. But uh, later in the day, we did end up uh, we did not did end up making it happen. But yeah, it was. So since then, I'm. I'm pumped up for this season to say the least. Oh yeah. I can't wait for it. I think it's well, it started in South Florida today. So there's buddies of mine already hunting and it's killing me. Yeah, I bet. So, so you hunt, I'm assuming all over the country then for turkeys. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've been a lot of places. Yep. Any favorites, any, any places that you like better than others or. Man, I, I, I really enjoy hunting the mountains down in, in uh, southeastern Kentucky. Okay. Western Oklahoma, I like, I really enjoy hunting western Oklahoma. It's just completely different. Um, Kansas and Nebraska are cool. Uh, usually a lot of birds. And uh, Wisconsin's become one of my favorite places here the past few years. It's just, it's pretty awesome up there. Um, but nothing beats hunting at home. Uh, so you, traveling a lot it's nice to be home sleeping in your own bed and getting up and going going hunting and coming home yeah i bet so do you have plans to hunt some other states this year or are you going to hunt ohio primarily or what are your what are your plans for this season i'll be hunting um western oklahoma and then ohio Kentucky, uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is another one of my favorites too. Uh, they're all my favorite. Um, Ohio, PA, uh, Wyoming, and uh, Wisconsin towards the end of the, end of the spring. Okay. All right. So, Maybe. I guess. Um, some other Jake, Jeff, do you guys have any other before I continue on hog and Josh's time? Do you guys have yeah. questions you have for Josh? I have a, a good question here. Um, do you change your strategy or notice that it's good to change your strategy throughout the season in Ohio? Do you notice a difference in turkey behavior that, you know, you should do this over that? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> especially like hunting different or hunting the same properties, like, uh, one of the areas that I hunt a lot in Ohio, we've got four or five like main farms that are have decent amount of turkeys on them. And throughout the season, you know, it's like we'll park the truck and we'll go at them the same way every time. And it's like, I think they start to feel that pressure. And then usually, you know, about halfway through the second week into the third week, we'll start coming in from the other side and, and, uh, and having success that way. I, I think that they do 
they do get used to that pressure. And I mean, they'll end up, you know, not roosting on those sides, especially after you shoot one or two of them, you know, and uh, I think they get used to that. And it, it, it never hurts to change your strategy. Okay. So I guess some other questions I had, one of the things that we, that we talked about, um, through text message as we were setting this up is maybe talking about what to do with call shy birds. So could you kind of talk to us? Is it, you know, do they get call shy as the season, you know, they've been called to and, and they're kind of getting wise to that. Is is that what makes a bird kind of call shy? And then how do you handle that? Yeah, I think, I think that, I mean, like we were talking earlier, it has, has to do with, you know, being called to a lot, obviously, but you know, them seeing their buddies be shot and the constant pressure, you know, they just, they're not gobbling as hard as what they would. And, you know, and towards the end of the season, they're not, when they're starting to slow it down. Um, and that's hitting those spots where you know that they're liking to hang out and feeding. And I mean, a lot of that will cover from uh, scouting from the road, uh, you know, with binoculars, if possible, if we can see them in fields or, you know, covering ground and, and finding those areas where you can see the scratchings in the leaves where they're, they're doing a lot of feeding. Um, <clears throat> okay. But, you know, stuff like that and just, just getting in areas. If you know, if you can find where they're hanging out and just setting up and playing the waiting game sometimes, which it's, it's not the funnest way to Turkey hunt, but I mean, it can be a uh, method of being successful. Okay. So let's get, let's, let's talk about decoy strategies, right? So you said you, you know, you're typically carrying decoys with you. What, what does your decoy setup look like? Are you carrying just a hen decoy or a couple? What, what, do you, what is your typical go-to when it comes to decoys? More times than not, what I'm, what I'm packing is like one of our uh, avian X feeder or not feeder breeder hen. It's like an upright breeder where her neck's like, kind of halfway up she just like in a relaxed position with our avian x quarter strut jake or we've also got a new uh jake decoy that came out this year the hdr it's a heavy duty realism um and it's got a very realistic look to it it's got switch out heads one's kind of a more relaxed one's a little bit more aggressive but the quarter strut jake decoy our initial uh jake decoy from years ago just putting that out there, it's 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 not a it's not an aggressive pose that it's in. It's um, it's something that man, it just seems like more times than not, those gobblers see that Jake decoy, they gotta come, they gotta come investigate it, if not beat it up, if you let them. <laughs> it's I'd hate to I'd I'd love to know how many times I've seen it happen, but it's it's such an effective decoy. Okay. And decoy decoys are great too for for uh, beginner turkey hunters. Uh, taking kids out it's just something else to <clears throat> you know that gobbler has to he's all his focus is on those decoys so if you got you know a kid or someone who's can't sit completely still it, it takes a lot of that focus off the, the hunter that's what jacob needs jacob can't sit still got that right <laughs> 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 
Give him some video games and a candy bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There that's you my go. problem. I move around too much. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna get Jake a bird this year. I'm I'm bound and determined, man. I hope you guys had a hot year last year, and I had to yeah. work. So. Yeah. We did good last year. Okay, so we went over. We we just covered the decoy strategy. We've gone through a handful of different calling scenarios. At, I guess this this just popped into my head. So at, at what point, when you're calling to a bird, at what point, like the bird gets hung up, right? That's that's where I'm going. Like the bird gets hung up. At what point do you say he's just not coming? I need to come up with a new game plan. Is it a, is it a is it a time thing or or you know, is it based on terrain? You say, ah, you know what? He's probably hung up on that 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 ravine or something. I need to I need to change my tactic. Or what are your thoughts there when a bird seems like they're hung up too far? You, you can't see them. Jason, something something we haven't even touched on yet, which is probably one of the biggest hangups, is hens. And a lot of times, they're, you know, that gobbler might have the easiest path to get to you, and he's hanging out out there just gobbling and just he's just staying in the same spot. And a lot of times, you know, he's he's got a hen with him and he's not leaving. Um, something that I've noticed over the years, you know, when you start to kind of push the issue with those turkeys and getting aggressive with them and maybe moving a little bit closer to them and they'll seem to like get a little bit farther away from you each time they're gobbling Mm -hmm. that will most nine times out of ten initially tell me that hey he's he's with a hen and she doesn't want anything to do with me she's getting him out of here and a lot of times when that starts happening that's when i'll try to make a plan to try to get around them or if I have an idea where maybe they're going, I'd like to get there before they do or that when they get with hens, I mean, that's, that's the toughest thing in, in Turkey hunting. Okay. So at that point, you know, say you're pretty sure that that, that that Tom's with a a hen and you're going to try and circle around him. Are you just kind of sitting tight and, or, or are you doing any calling at that point? No, I've, if I'm moving on them, I'm not going to call to them until I get to where I feel like I need to be, where I can get him and that hen to me. And if and if I can, um, if I can get her fired up to where she'll want to come investigate me and drag him along with her, that's when I'll get aggressive with my calling. Um, I've had a lot of success early season doing that. Um, but it's yep. it's tough, man. End up gobblers are, they're really tough. Okay. I guess how much pressure or disturbance will a turkey take? You know, like you say, you're moving around. Like how far out and around do you have to go without him? You know, like at what point will he just get fed up with you? (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? Like are you... How well, how quick are you moving? How quiet do you have to be? How, you know, like, I am a 
very much a rookie turkey hunter. So okay. I'm from a rookie point of view. If, if um, I'm but moving, like compared to deer, like you can't just get up and move with deer. Right. I mean, as long as if that gobbler can't see you, I'm going to move and and keep out of his sight and I'm going to be as quiet as possible, but I'm probably going to take myself plenty far away from, from him to where, you know, I can move fairly quick and make a little bit of noise, um, to where, you know, I'm not going to give myself up. But, uh, as I start getting closer to where I feel like I can get, get to him, I'm definitely going to slow it down and, and really be quiet and pay attention to what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> we're coming up. I want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on an oh, hour fine. here. Is uh, I guess anything else that that we're not even thinking to ask you. Uh, I there, there's probably so much in your head that like, you know, this is just uh uh a blip on the radar of all your turkey knowledge but what else would you would you have for us or what else should we be asking you um i don't know i guess maybe just something like something i would say that helps me a lot that i always have with me in my turkey vest is uh binoculars like i i can't stand hunting without my binoculars uh okay because there's times where you could be, you know, one of the spots you're hunting, <clears throat> glass in the field, or if you're just looking out across the field, you might not see anything, but then you pull your binoculars up and you might be able to pick up a turkey head or the tips of a tail fan. Or even if you're, you know, you're slipping through the woods and you can glass through the woods and maybe see something. I, I just, I don't go anywhere without my binoculars. I feel naked without them. Okay. Uh, Is there anything else that, that you carry in your vest that people might be surprised to know that, that you're, that you keep in your vest? Um, and I don't, I don't know. Okay. Hey, I, I like to keep my, uh, my hunting license pen, you know, all the stuff for, for checking my turkey. I like to keep it in Ziploc bag, keep it dry. Uh, obviously. Definitely. Um, No, no other secret too. secret tools or tricks that uh... uh friction calls box call um obviously pot and peg style calls owl hooter that's stuff that i've always got with me okay. um shells paper. <laughs> that's important <laughs> yeah i always always carry bottles of water and uh there are specific brands of water i know this is going to sound stupid and maybe a little bit crazy but you know, like there's the bottles of water that have like the real cheap plastic, like they're like crunchy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you'll there's like the, uh, oh, I don't know if it's Aquafina or whatever. It's kind of like a bottle, like a Pepsi or Mountain Dew comes in the plastic bottle. Yep. That's yeah. like a harder plastic. That's the kind of water bottles that I like to carry in my vest because those other ones are complete noisemakers all the time. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and that just drives me nuts. Um, face mask and gloves. I always carry an extra face mask and an extra pair of gloves because it doesn't, it never fails. Whoever I'm hunting with forgets something. <laughs> uh, and just like to keep all that covered. 
Okay. But I've, I've been guilty of it in the past myself, too, so. So do you, you find, mean, do you find you have, I don't, I, I mean, you probably have a lot of success no matter how you hunt, but hunting with like a partner, having like them sit back maybe 20 yards and call would help to not, you know, like having a shooter and a caller, does that tend to work better or hunting by yourself? Do you have more luck? Um, both of them are, are good. Um, I've got a few buddies that I hunt with every year that, um, yeah, we, we will use that strategy where one of us will maybe like walk off and and try to drag one in or float call, whatever they call it. Um, yeah, I've got a few guys that I hunt with, and, and we've used that, that strategy numerous times and had success. Uh, for the most part, though, we're sitting side by side, you know, a few feet apart or whatever it may be. Okay. Um. Oh, I just had a question I wanted to ask you, and now I blanked on it. I hate when that happens. I got another question. Okay. Is there any truth or strat? Like, I've heard that, like, a box call cuts through the wind the best. Is that, I mean, what calls do you use? Like, if it's windy, do you just primarily still use diaphragm calls, or do your friction calls tend to cut through the noise a little better, like the wind? Yeah, I've I've noticed that, like, a box call or a friction call definitely produces a lot more, I don't know what the word is, higher pitch, frequency. It's definitely louder. It has a lot more resonance than a, the sound of a mouth call trying to cut it through the wind. Yes, they are a lot better for getting turkeys to gobble in the wind. Okay. I remembered my question. So you mentioned... Uh that you like to carry uh, shotgun shells in your vest. <laughs> what uh, do you have a, a preferred shot size for turkeys? Um, I like five or sixes. Uh, it seems like in the past few years I've been shooting sixes more than anything. Okay. And it's just, I guess it's because that's what I had. And they, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. happy with them. So. And that's uh, like standard lead or, or copper plated lead pellets, or um, are you because we've we've been seeing some of the uh, what is it the tungsten? Yeah, the new TSS. Yeah. Yeah, I've been shooting uh, the Browning BXD ammo the past couple years, and I really like it. And Browning actually is coming out with uh, TSS this year that I'll probably be getting to try out here within the next few weeks. So. Okay. okay all right so with your your wealth of turkey hunting experiences and stuff do you have a particular turkey hunt or or a turkey hunting experience that sticks out to you some kind of uh, like what's a what's your favorite turkey hunting story or something memorable with turkey hunting that that you'd like to share Oh man, they're all so good. They're all my favorites, but the, the ones that stick out to me, I've been doing this, like I said, this will be my 25th season. And, um, uh, it was two springs ago. Um, called in a gobbler for my dad and he killed it. It was his first long beard. And, uh, that was pretty special. 
I mean, he, cool. he's known how much like I care about this stuff for a long time. And he's, I mean, he's a hard worker and was always busy to, to turkey hunt. Uh, but yeah, him killing his first long beard was pretty awesome. And then, uh, oh, this last spring we, we got him on another one opening morning in Pennsylvania and shoot it probably wasn't five minutes in a day. Like he killed that one. And just seeing how excited he was, I feel like the, the whole process was a little bit reversed. You know, when you're a parent and seeing your kid do good, it's pretty awesome. But it's like, I, I, I guess I could kind of understand that feeling pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty tickled. It was a pretty neat moment. Couple yeah. Of them, so, and he, that's cool. it's, all he, it's all he's talking about now is he can't wait for, uh, for this spring. So he's got the bug now. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't let him call though. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call if I hunted with you either. <laughs> oh, shoot. I just let the maestro, man. Just just do your thing, man. That's what I'd say. Josh, do your thing. Yep. That's all good. No, all it's right. a lot of it's a lot of fun. Like I said earlier, I mean, it's not like deer hunting. I mean, you can get out there and do you can go hunting with three or four of your, your buddies and you know you can make some noise here and there, but when you get a gobbler fired up. I mean, it's, you know when to be quiet. It's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jake, Jeff, anything else you want to ask Josh before we before we let him go? I guess I have. Oh, go Jeff, ahead, go ahead. Okay, I'll go, no, ahead. Jake. Go ahead. Um, I probably a ridiculous question, but I'm just curious. Again, completely coming from a rookie turkey hunter. Um, is there any tip or trick or way? to get not i've never even shot a gobbler but like a bigger like can you is there a different way you call to try and get a bigger gobbler or more mature gobbler do they respond differently i mean i know jake versus tom but like if are there guys who target only you know 12 inch or longer beard you know what i mean like is there a way to get those turkeys to respond to you versus or is that just completely luck of the well, draw? Well, I think when you're uh, that 12-inch beard or whatever, uh, that's luck. That's the bonus of it. I mean, it's hard to measure them until you get them on the ground. Um, but, no, you're going to call. You want to call to them all this. is You want to sound as much like a hen as you possibly can. And they're all going to, for the most part, respond Okay. So it's not like with like comparing it to deer hunting, you can't like, like with deer hunting, you can make more like dominant buck sounds to get more dominant bucks to kind of come in and run them off. Like you can't, that doesn't right. relate to turkey hunting. Not re not really. I mean, there, there's some situations where you can, you know, do gobbler yelps and try to gobble or gobble at them and try to challenge those gobblers per se. Right then using the the particular the the regular hen talk um and I, I think for me like uh, you know i'll add something on that i think that's one of the the beauties of turkey hunting if you will is that like it's either a jake or a tom and if it's a you know kind of, like you said the the big long beard is kind of a bonus but it's a tom's a tom in in some sense right i mean it's oh yeah you know it, some of the longest spurred uh, gobblers that I've shot over the years have had some of the nastiest little stringy beards, but like, 
I've always said if it's a long beard, I mean, if, if it's a long beard, I'm going to shoot it. I don't care how old he is. Right. Mature gobbler is a mature gobbler. And yeah. The, yeah. It's and a that, bonus. I, right. Yeah. So, all right, Jeff, you had, you had some yeah. questions too. Jake, were you yeah. done first before I, yeah, before yeah, I yeah I'm good. Right. Yep. Thank you. I just had one last sort of, uh, fun question. Um, Basically, what's the strangest or like funniest thing you've ever heard a uh, a turkey shock gobble to? Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> some of my buddies calling. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I uh, put me on the spot here. I oh, I'd have to think. I've heard yeah, or just name off a few. Oh, geez. Well, I guess uh, while you're thinking, right, shot gobble is just like, why do they shot gobble? They're just to, fired up in the spring and, and, to, and any kind of loud noise will will trigger a, a shot gobble? Or, or do you know the like the reasoning behind that? I'm no biologist. I just like to turkey hunt. And my my kind of theory <laughs> on it is like it's kind of more of a nervous reaction. Like, you know, when someone walks up behind you and pinches you on the back of your arm and you jump and, you know, it scares the crap out of you, it hurts. Yep. Yep. Like, I kind of think when they hear that crow fly over and, or, you know, a goose flying over and honking, and it's just like they initially just bam, they gobble to it. Like, it just catches their attention. Right. Um, that's kind of, that's my thoughts on it, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not the expert on that. I, I okay. Know. So uh, that, that I guess, uh, brings up another question. You mentioned crows. Do you, uh, do you ever have issues with crows? Cause, cause crows will kind of pester turkeys, right? I mean, do you ever have issues like when you're calling and all of a sudden you got a bunch of crows around you? Does that, does that hurt your hunt or does that affect things at all? I don't think so. And something that I've noticed over the years too, it, it seems like, and we'll have decoys set up in fields on some hunts, whatever. And it seems like the crows will hang around and then, uh, you might see them over like another spot on the other end of a field or something. And they're flying around and it's like, man, what's got their attention over there. And then next thing you know, here comes turkeys from that direction. Sometimes I think they will like kind of hang around the turkeys, okay. but, I mean, that's just another, I don't know, theory, I guess, that I kind of have that I've kind of noticed. But, sure. Uh, that's another great call to have in your vest is a crow call as far as locating the midday crows and, like, pileated woodpecker. Mm. Okay. I've hunted, I've hunted oh, for 20-plus years now with a pileated woodpecker call that when I don't want to try to locate a gobbler using calls, I could due to the fact that I don't want to give up my location. I don't want to let him know where I'm at. I want to use a, a crow call or a, a woodpecker call to make him gobble. And then I can move and adjust from hearing him and get closer to where he's at just by getting him to gobble with that, that woodpecker call. Okay. And then, you know, set up on him and then switch over to my turkey calls. Okay. All right. Well, I got another question I just thought of. 
Go okay. for it. How, uh, how much, or how do you, I guess, do you ever, or how often do you have issues with coyotes when you're turkey hunting, like coming um, into your calls? It's, you know, we've had them come in and actually hit the decoys a handful of times. Uh, I, I'd say I've probably seen it five or six times where they've been like right up in the decoys. I think, I think a lot of times they probably get close before and coming in from different directions and win you before, well, you don't, would never even see them, you know? Right, right. Okay. I just I know coyotes have been kind of like a hot button issue in Ohio. Everyone's with turkey season coming around. They're hating yeah, on their coyotes, so that's why I was wondering. Yeah, they're getting they're getting really thick in the areas where I hunt. Yeah, that that seems to be the general consensus. People are seeing them more and more, and, and you know the population is is definitely increasing. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Okay. Well, Josh, any uh, closing thoughts before uh, before we let you go? Um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I hope you have a safe and successful spring. And if there's anything else you guys need from me, let me know. Awesome. Maybe well, we can get, right. up, get up together and go chase them one day. There yeah. we go. I like the sounds of that. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to to talk with us and i think there we we covered a ton of stuff in here i think this is really going to be helpful for people um and i also want to give you an opportunity how do people where do people find you and your stuff right you are you work for zinc calls and and avnx how do people find you www.zincalls.com avnx.com and our show avnx tv can be watched for free on the uh, Mossy Oak Go app. It's a new app that just started up not too long ago. It's completely free, and uh, they just started downloading some of our shows. Um, so if you got time, go check us out. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Wish yeah. you the best of luck this season. You too. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. And there you have it. I want to thank Josh for coming on and taking time out of his schedule to talk to us. We really enjoyed talking to him. Learned a lot. Hopefully you guys learned something. Hopefully there's some takeaways out of that episode that you can use in the woods this spring. I want to wish everybody good luck in the turkey woods. And if you would, or if you're in the market for turkey decoys, turkey calls, or goose or duck calls or decoys, Check out Zinc Calls at zincalls.com and AvianX Decoys at avian-x.com. And I just want to continue to thank everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social pages. That really helps spread the word. Check out our Eat Local shirts. There'll be a link to that in the description. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.